Hi, I'm Christian Dante White. Hey guys, this is Christiani Pitts. Hi, this is Brittany Johnson. Hey there, my name is Nick Daly, and you're listening to the Call and Response Podcast. Yeah. Woo! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Call and Response Season 5. Season five, season five. I cannot believe we're at the fifth season already. Uh, and I also can't believe that it has almost truly been a year since we were on the airwaves. Um, our season four finale aired February 28th, 2020. <laughs> like, I I mean, I didn't know like the cosmic timing of that. I didn't know that we would all soon be hunkering down and, and, and facing the unknown of the Rona and putting big parts of our lives on pause. And it, it, 2020 was obviously an emotional roller coaster for all of us. Um, myself included, though, like between the pandemic and then the necessary racial reckoning that that sparked in June. Um, there was a lot to process and there was a lot to navigate and to deal with. And, you know, I, I think some people, I admire them for being able to push through and just be productive the whole time. You know, I think some folks experience the effects or like the, the Rona hit them, you know, quickly and then maybe they sprung back. But for me, uh, I was okay. It was a slow bird at first. And, and then I... I just feel like the second half of 2020 for me, I really felt like I was running on low or honestly, okay, like pass, I was past empty, okay? And I really, I had to refill my tank if we're going for this weird car analogy I've started or, you know, my, my cup or whatever you want to say um, before I could really engage like genuinely and sincerely with creative work outside of my job. Um, it was tough, it was tough. I'll be honest, but, um, and I, I feel like I can't pinpoint a date, but I'm grateful that I was able to recalibrate and kind of renew and restore myself. Um, cause that means y'all get some, some new content, some new episodes. And I'm just so excited for this season because our, our guests really span the spectrum of the performing artist lenses, if you will. You know, we have performers, we have managers, we have people in the, the media and admin space, the music space, and so much more. And I, I loved getting to hear about, you know, their journeys in, in these different sectors in the interviews. And, of course, because it is all virtual now, I miss seeing people face to face, but um, it's it's different, you know. It's like scrappy. This season <laughs> scrappy is how I've been describing it. But um, we're making it work, and I'm so grateful for all of the guests that have been able to interview. And I'm grateful for all of you who are tuning in and maybe haven't fast forwarded this long intro. Who's to say? And so, you know, this first episode is kicking off Black History Month for us. But I actually, I want to look to the future. Uh, it's great to learn about where we came from, where we've been, but it's also important to know where we're going, right? And our first guest of the season will be, and already is, leading this next generation of artists. And I know that every episode, I'm like, I'm so hyped. I'm so thrilled. I'm so excited. And you know what? This season is no exception because this person, this storyteller, Nick Daly. Y'all, y'all know I love to give little intros explaining how I know the guests. Um, I was introduced to Nick Daly through Playbill's Search for a Star contest. And I, as the Playbill social media director, got to choose, you know, um, the contestants that we were gonna highlight in the Instagram roundup each week. 
and I saw Nick Daly singing his face off to I'm Not Afraid of Anything from Songs for a New World by Jason Robert Brown. And I was like, I need this to be a cover that I can repeat on Spotify because it was just so damn good. And then I was like, you know what? Cool, 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 cool. I wish this, I wish this guy the best. And then I find out that he won the contest. I mean, after multiple weeks, right? And then I find out we're going to interview him on Playable Live. And I was like, I got to keep it cool because I've been rooting for him, you know, this whole time. And then I am like, you know what? I got his email. Am I going to email him to be on the podcast? Yes, I am. And I did. And to Nick's credit, so gracious. It was not like you are a disturbingly obsessive playbill employee who just loved my video too much he was like no thank you so much i know this intro is so long but i swear it's worth it and so then i was like you know what great we'll touch base whenever that happens it'll be good and then y'all comes the fall and it's time for me to write the scottsboro boys oral history and i'm like i don't want to just talk about i mean it's about celebrating the 10th anniversary but i don't want to just stay in the past i want to talk about the future i want to talk about the legacy so logan colwell block who works at playbill was like oh felicia you got to interview people that are involved with the uh the school who performed at itf they did a a version of the scottsboro boys and everyone was in tears you've got to interview someone from that i said okay i'll interview the teacher I'll interview the director and I'll find a student to interview. And who do I find was in that production? But Nick Daly, y'all. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up because y'all need to hear from him, not me. All of this to say, I'm fully a Nick Daly stan. I'm so excited that we're going to get to chat with him today. Hello, Nick Daly. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that intro, I could not like, I could smile more. I don't even, I don't, I don't know how my face could hold it. <laughs> See, this is the generosity I'm talking about. You are so sweet because you just go along with my bids, but I met every word. You are so talented. You are generous. You are warm. Thank you so much. Yeah. So hi, hello. Now that everyone knows how I feel about you, let's get to know you. Absolutely. let's start off off with we're gonna just take it easy we're easy breezy um how how did you get involved with performing arts how did I get involved in performing arts um well I have been singing for as long as I can remember um just in church and Mm. school things um but it, it wasn't until the fifth grade that I got involved in theater okay um and so, okay, so there's this actress, her name is Kayla Wilcoxon, and she is the understudy for Eurydice in Hadestown. Okay. And we grew up, uh, our families are our friends, and we grew up in the same town. We went, we graduated from the same high school. And I, my fifth grade year, I saw her in my high school's production of Tarzan. Um, and it was the pilot production. Okay. And she played Kala, the mom. And I was so amazed. Like my little fifth grade self was there on like a field trip, yeah. watching her on that stage um, and saying, wow, like one day I want to be on that stage, on that high school stage <laughs> performing. Yeah. Uh, I want to be directed by that director, uh, Holly Stanfield, who's still still the director at, at Bradford High School. Um, and, and later um, in the summer, we both auditioned for Kaipak, which is Kenosha Youth Performing Arts Company. Um, I also interned there a couple summers ago. And 
they were doing Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And okay. she was one of the narrators. And I was Issachar, my shining moment. Um, <laughs> and and we got to be in a show together. And that was on the Bradford stage. And I was like, wow, what a full circle moment. This is amazing. Um, and then, you know, I get into high school. And of course, I'm in theater. So I'm performing on the same stage. And my first Broadway show that I ever see is Hadestown. And I see her as Eurydice. And during their uh, Raise a Glass to Orpheus final moment, she looks directly at me. I'm in the third row. I bawled. I, I cried like a baby. It was, you know, and, and in that moment, I had that same feeling that I had when I was in fifth grade. Like, one day, like, one day I'll be able to perform on that stage. With her, hopefully. I've got chills. <laughs> that is amazing. That is, wow. So then, were, were there any, like, TV shows or any actors on TV or, or movies, stage, anything that kind of inspired you as you started exploring performing arts? Growing up, at, at least looking on, like, all of the different forms of media that, that I had available to me, I didn't really see anyone like myself, like anyone who, you know, was like a uh, tall black guy that like played a leading male. Um, and, but with that, like, I still never felt excluded. Hmm. I didn't see myself, but because of the community that I was in, especially in high school, um, I had people that showed me that the sky's the limit. I can be anyone that I want to be. Um, you know, because because I had that foundation, I was able to to see myself in, in the characters that were on TV, regardless of what race they were, even though, you know, we, we live in the country that we live in. That's that's right. so divisive. Um, but as far as theater goes, I, I was such a bad theater kid. Um, <laughs> like I was a theater kid that knew nothing about Broadway, which I'm sure most, like if, if I existed, I'm sure there are other kids that exist that are love the theater and have absolutely no idea who Patti Lapone is. Right. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for real. But I do remember being so obsessed with um, Brandy's, Rodgers and Hammerstein, Cinderella. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, literally, they had everyone. They had Bernadette, who I've, who I became obsessed with and have been obsessed with ever since. Of course, uh, Bernadette, Brandy. They had Whitney, uh, Whoopi, <laughs> Victor Garber. Yes, yes, and it was beautiful and it was diverse and, um, and yeah. So I had that. I had that to hold on to. And I didn't really know about Broadway until I got uh, into high school, into, until my freshman year. Um, okay. And I think around then, like, Hamilton was a big thing. Um, mm. So, of course, like, Broadway to me was, like, David Diggs, Leslie Odom Jr. Um, and I think that's also why I, I never felt like I, I was excluded. Mm-hmm. You know? Right, you you got to discover Broadway at a time where diversity was a really big part of the conversation because that season was also like 
color purple it Mm. was shuffle along like that's yeah yeah so that that's so interesting um and i guess for those just tuning in i mean for those who, who are just getting to know you i should say um what year did you graduate high school I graduated in 2019. Uh, okay, yeah, because you, you were like, when I was in high school and Hamilton was big, I was like, <laughs> but I was <laughs> We all just had that collective moment together um, for the listeners. And I want to hear about your time at your school because, and, and like you said, Holly Stanfield, because it sounds, you grew up in Kenosha. Yes. Which also a lot there that we can discuss. Oh, absolutely. Um, but... Talk to us about the theater education program there, because y'all are serious. Like y'all be doing big productions. Y'all take it seriously. Yeah, I am. I am very proud of of the theater department um, at Bradford at KUSD. It's a it's a district wide um, theater department. Uh, so students from all across Kenosha Unified School District audition uh, at the same time, uh, and they get cast in whatever shows any of the directors at any of the high schools are doing for that season. Uh, And I was very fortunate to go to Bradford and to typically be cast in Bradford shows. Uh, So I got to work with Holly a lot of the time. Actually, my, I, the first show that I was cast in at Bradford, I wasn't in high school yet. Uh, I was in the little mermaid uh, and I was flounder. And that was also my first year going to the international thespian festival. Um, oh yes yes so bradford at least when i was there the department there is holly stanfield jody williams and christy geidner so three wonderful women um very very brilliant creative minds uh and also just strong strong leaders they really like fostered uh, a space that allowed me to feel like i wasn't excluded from the theater that I was someone who was valuable you know and I and and that's goes for me and and countless other students as well that go through that program Mm -hmm. um and I'm very fortunate Holly started the KUSD program with like uh, a keyboard and uh, (laughs) uh and it was just her like she was it. Like she was. She was the theater department until, you know. Now we have a, a theater department that spans the entire district and has like two or three directors per school. I mean, truly, I could. I, I'm a. I'm a big Holly Stanfield fan, so <laughs> I could talk about her forever. I could talk about all of them forever. Jody, Christy. Um, I'm very grateful that they emphasized being an imp- being a, a good person. Mm-hmm. They emphasized bringing joy into the space. Um, and that's something that not a lot of schools, especially schools that, that focus on performing arts, um, not a lot of schools get. I never really felt like there was competition. And I'm super grateful for that because now I'm at UMich where I have tons of peers that grew up in programs where that was the norm you know and, and some of them uh came from schools that were very very cutthroat 
Um, so I'm just very fortunate that I came from, you know, a big happy family and and into another big happy family, which is Umish. Um, any artist that comes through Bradford High School is is going to be someone that has a lot of love in their heart and and enters a space with a lot of a joy and light. And I love that because I mean I feel like a big national conversation that's happened is like the underfunding of theater and arts programs in general mm-hmm. in, in schools. Um, and so I love that you feel so rooted in that community because I just think that's so important um, and, and is a good foundation for you as you continue your career on and your education on. And I I love that you're a Holly Stanfield stan. I feel like I would say I am <laughs> as well um, because, and this, you know, we alluded to in that long intro, but um, you, y'all, y'all put up the Scottsboro Boys at Bradford um, and I, let's just dive into that experience because quick context for the listeners. The Scottsboro Boys was a musical that was put on, uh, was produced on Broadway in 2010. And it's, it is recounting the story of the Scottsboro Nine in the, the story that happened in 1931. And there was a big case because they were accused of raping white women on a train. Of course, everyone was like, oh, they're black men. Of well, they're black boys. They were literally like teenagers, like young, young, young mm-hmm. boys. Um, but threw them in jail. They were on trial, and their trial became this big national case. And celebrities started getting involved. Um, a few were let off, and they were like some, eventually some were left on parole. Um, but it, it's it's a, a huge story about injustice. So it, it Broadway, 2010, um, by an all white creative team, save for Tony Leslie James on as the costume designer just for context so y'all staged this show at your school uh your senior year you were a senior correct yes so had you heard of the musical before y'all decided to produce it i did not did not know a single thing so what was your reaction when holly said we're gonna do this or you read the script i think my initial reaction was excitement uh Mm -hmm. only because i just really like doing black people stuff uh I just uh I was just really excited to be in a space with my peers uh Ben Woods who's also in school for for theater he was our Haywood um and you know all of the other other all the other actors uh in that show we had such a family bond well and I know Holly hired Chris Carter who is a black man to direct it which is an exciting development because of like the original creative team but what were rehearsals like for you with him leading the space yes Chris Carter who I believe is working on uh Children of Eden Mm. um in Chicago um he ah I I I could also talk about him forever as well he came into the space and not only was he a leader for all of us, but like, especially, um, you know, we had a lot of younger kids in the cast. Like we had a lot of freshmen in the cast. Um, And I mean, the fact that he was in that space, leading the space in it of itself uh, was super important for them, especially as, as young artists. Um, Because I like, I, that was my first experience with a, a black man mm-hmm. leading the space. And that was super important for me and my development because now I know, oh, like I could also be a director. I could be in charge right. of a space. Like my creative ideas 
are valid and just as valid as any of my white counterparts. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, he, he led the space with, with dignity and grace mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was such a safe space for all of us. Um, so yeah, I could, I could sing his praises all day. Well, and, and, and let's, because, you know, that is some heavy material for any actor, for any person to dive into. But y'all were the ages of the original Scottsboro Nine. Um, how did y'all approach the material? What kind of dramaturgy happened? Uh, so you guys could fully kind of, I guess, understand the story. Yeah, I I remember we watched uh, Scottsboro Boys documentary. That was one of the first things uh, that we did just so that we all understood the story, understood who we were portraying, understood that it was real and it was serious, especially. And and that's important, especially when you have, you know, younger, younger people in the cast. Uh, we all there's a education packet that came along with with the script. And even like amongst the cast, like we we discussed those amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning processes, it was just Holly and us in the space going through the lines, uh, memorizing the words, getting them in our bodies so that when Chris did come into the space, we were able to really um, explore and discover and mm-hmm. and create what we put onto the stage. With the Broadway version, they had protesters. They had, you know, people, the audience was split. Some people loved it. And some people hated it mm-hmm. um, because, again, context for listeners, if you don't know, um, the actors put on blackface makeup at the end of the show. Spoiler if you haven't seen it, but it's not on Broadway right now. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, and it's obviously that is a very jarring experience for audience members to take in. Mm-hmm. Um, how, what, what was the conversation y'all had around that? Did it affect you? You know, in putting it on for the first time, tell me about that experience. Putting it on for the first time, um, I do. I vividly remember that rehearsal. Uh, I remember uh, putting on the makeup, uh, entering the stage space, not and and seeing my peers seeing everyone else in blackface that's what's also shocking um Mm -hmm. as as an actor in the cast is is seeing you know and also like my friends like my peers like people i go to school with um yeah it was wow i don't even know if i could i could put it into words but i felt connected Mm -hmm. to those who came before me um and I think like that comes from the fact that some of those Scottsboro boys, some of some of the men from that story went on to do minstrelsy, like went into menstrual shows. Right. Which is terrible and dehumanizing. And also the 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 beginning, the the foundation for musical theater as we know it. And there's something so powerful about taking off that makeup. That is the moment in the show that I think is the most important. That's the climactic mm-hmm. moment is when we take off the makeup and we walk away from the art form. And I just felt like I, I, I represented so much more 
than just myself in doing that. Totally. What were the what were the audience reactions as a whole, not necessarily just to the blackface moment, but to y'all producing the Scottsboro Boys? We had such a great response from our community. And I think that has to do in part with the fact that KOSD shows are are something to look forward to in Kenosha. They're definitely uh, there's a reputation for for creative excellence, I think. And um, our community expected that, and uh, I believe that's what they received. <laughs> uh, we did get we did get a, a very good response, um, but even more so, the talkbacks after. I think mm-hmm. were the most important part. Yeah, tell me about those. Um, so so after the show, uh, Holly uh, invited the audience to stay and chat with us. We would come on stage, um, and and just kind of talk about you know what just happened and and unpack. Um, and a lot of people did have have a lot of emotions. It's a very emotional show. Um, and there was one moment I do remember. There was one moment. Uh, of confusion where where uh, a woman was uh you know offended and and upset by that final moment as she should have been uh because that's what that's supposed to do <laughs> um and yeah there were there were just uh so many moments of growth it's like for us as artists as well in those talkbacks, I remember Holly brought in the Coalition for Dismantling Racism in, in Kenosha. Uh, they were there. They said words. My grandmother, who grew up in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, uh, she she spoke. Um, so yeah, it was yeah, it was it was a moment of growth, not only as an artist but as as a human being. Absolutely. And, and and like you said, like the talkbacks are so inherent to the work. Like, do you know, like the performing, obviously amazing. We love the performing, but like getting to have those interactions and talking about, you know, I mean, th- yeah, this very serious subject matter and injustice that happened and like, how can we dismantle it mm-hmm. and continue to like, push forward for justice in different ways and and uh yeah the yeah it's just really powerful and I'm so glad that y'all had that experience and as we said Holly Stanfield like really putting in the work for that oh absolutely I don't think I don't think any any Scottsboro Boys production should be done without a talk back in my personal opinion only because Mm -hmm. I I feel like the show in in order for it to accomplish what it wants to accomplish needs to engage the audience beyond just just a performance yeah absolutely and 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 so then too like how did you change or evolve you know as an artist I I mean I guess you know you spoke to a little bit about the the talkbacks but like I know you also played uh Ruby Bates yes who's like one of the white women accusing how how did you change as an artist through this experience oh my goodness uh holly knew what she was doing my my (laughs) senior year she said we are going to push his limits we are going to see um you know if he can if he can handle 
more than just just the status quo, more than what he's used to. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. Ruby Bates was a very interesting character <laughs> to play. Uh, comical, very, very satirical moments in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't think there's ever going to be another show where I can say that I, I played a white woman. You know, mm, well, that's just yeah. not something <laughs> that people are going to assume when they see me. Uh, so that was, it. I mean, just being able to step out of your comfort zone for a second um, and embrace something and play something with, with honesty. Mm. That's also important. Like, yes, yes, it was a comedy, but I mean, they were also, they were also people, um, and also as an artist, as an actor, you're never going to play into, into the comedy necessarily. You you mm-hmm. want to, you know, use the lines that are given to you, use the words that are given to you, but like make a real person say them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that truth, right. So, so that was a whole adventure um, and also a moment to grow as an artist, you know, to be able to say, I can handle anything you throw at me um and as a human to be able to say i'm comfortable in my skin i am i am malleable i i can you know adjust to the space Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and so then y'all you know through a whole couple of circumstances from what holly told me in her interview for the oral history like y'all took that to itf uh the international thespian festival tell us a little bit about like what itf is and what it meant that y'all performed this piece and then what the audience reaction was there um itf was such an amazing experience i mean there were there were lines of people around the block waiting to get into the theater uh, before we opened, I remember Susan Stroman walked in in our in our final uh, rehearsal before we opened. Like it was just a moment, like top five moments, wow. you know. Um, and it was electric. Like the performance was electric. The audience was was you know at our at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. We did have a talk back the next day, which was just as important. And I and I was honored to be able to to uh post that talk back and and interview miss susan stroman who is just an icon yeah and and the original director of scottsboro boys so what an interesting perspective to have oh yeah absolutely and there's something so beautiful about being able to perform a piece that's so important for the next generation of broadway for the next group of leaders in our industry and telling that like to them like as as their peers like i think that's a moment of growth just as like as a society like as human beings um the fact that we as students were able to inspire other students who are entering the same industry that we are at the same time right 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 right. you said peers yeah Wow. So I'm, I mean, that, it sounded like such a powerful performance because I mean, like I was saying, Logan, who I work with was blown away by it. Um, electric, I feel like it's such a great way to describe it, even though I was not there. Um, and, and, and what a send off, right? Like as you're finishing your high school career. Oh yeah. 
you know, have this moment. Um, were you, I was going to ask, are you, were you auditioning for colleges during all of this? Yes, I was. Oh, Lord. How? Did you sleep? No, I did not. Um, well, that's okay. That's, that's what, that's what high school, that's what high school is about. That's about oh, the all-nighters. And also that's what college is about. And I've, I've also heard that's what adulthood is about, um, as an artist. So, so I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to sleep, which oh, is cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, I was auditioning. What were you looking for when it came, like when you were looking for schools? What 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 were you looking for in a school? I think I was audition in the moment, like I like the original choice. I was auditioning because I wanted to do musical theater, and that's a thing that you can do in college, apparently. And I wanted to go to a a school that was that had a reputation. I wanted to go to a school that produced actors who work which are all you know great things but I think in the audition process I learned that I wanted to go to a school that valued being a good person that had those same values that I was used to that valued creative excellence and also valued academic excellence Mm. and that's that's what that's what really drew me to Michigan was was that ethos was the reputation and the network oh my gosh true I mean, it's, look, it's so true with this industry of like, it is who you know. So like that network makes a ton of sense. Um, what What's your official major? Like, what, what are you majoring in? I am a BFA musical theater major and a playwriting minor. Yes. Uh, what made you decide uh, to add the playwriting minor? Um, I, I've always loved English. I was an English kid. I cannot stand math. I hate it. I would never, you know, props to anyone who can do that. You, you, I, I don't know how I, I right. couldn't be me, but I always loved English. I always loved writing. I remember I had, my parents probably threw it out. I don't even know, but I used to write these little books when I was a kid and I would like take like pieces of you know, line paper and like fold them up like a little book and I'd cut them and like staple the 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 side and like write little stories and draw little illustrations. Right. Uh, which is why I, I identify as a storyteller because I've I've all that's what I've always been. Yes. Um but my my sophomore year after my grandfather's passing, I really, really took uh, playwriting seriously. I really took storytelling seriously uh, because writing and and creating stories in my mind at that point and and still uh, is a way of of immortalizing those that that you love um, mm-hmm. and and a way of preserving stories that that you think are important. Uh, so the first play that I ever wrote, I produced uh, in when I was in high school. Uh, I I directed and starred in it, and <laughs> um, maker. yes, I was. It was. It's the worst decision I ever made. I will never ever do that again. <laughs> Props to Lin Manuel Miranda um, <laughs> for 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 writing and and being in it, but couldn't be me. Um, I. I, I at that time the show was titled Gone But Here. Um and it was just about, you know, a boy who loses his grandfather and learns to cope. 
And I mean, truly looking back on it from a technical standpoint, like it wasn't that great of a story, truly, um, as far as like, you know, realistic dialogue and, and action and making sure, you know, the stakes are high. But um, it came from a genuine place. And it was, you know, from my heart onto the page. Um, and, f you know, for that, I think it'll it'll always, you know, be be a very special show to me, even if the dialogue may not always be believable. And I've definitely, I mean, I've grown as a writer <laughs> since my sophomore year of high school. But yeah, yeah, that's really where my playwriting journey began. And I since then, beautiful. yeah, I've just, I love it. I do it. I do it all the time. I write like 10 minute plays sometimes. I just uh, submitted a 30 minute play for a festival that we're doing here to be a storyteller and understand all facets of the industry and to have passion like it it totally makes sense to have passions in different like pockets of the the industry that you're in or whatever and like it i think it can only help but I, like you're because your your work as a playwright is going to inform your work as an actor and vice versa absolutely so what was your audition process like for you, Mish? I imagine extensive. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Any, like, if you're a BFA musical theater hopeful um, and you're a senior in college, I really, I'm praying for you in this moment. It's so much. It's so much work between, you know, pre-screens and then, you know, some people may want to audition on campus versus auditioning at at unifieds because they want to get the feel for you know the campus and what campus life might be like um and then some people can't afford to do that um a lot of people can't afford to do that and that's actually probably the reason why why broadway is is a little elitist at the moment mm. but um mm. <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's super stressful especially if if you know, there's a financial strain because you have to deal with application fees and sometimes audition fees. And it's just, it's just a lot to handle financially and like schedule wise, because you have to memorize all your stuff and you have to have a lot of, you know, different, different material. Some schools require Shakespeare, some don't, uh, lots of different rules, lots of different rules for like how you record a video. There's not one standard. It's like some schools will be like, oh, you need three quarters of your body in this shot when you when you do your slate and then and then uh, six seventeenths of, of your forehead for this monologue. It's just like super ridiculous specific <laughs> hey, requirements. I'm like, no way. Oh my goodness. And you just want to be like, I just I just want to record a video. I just want to record a video and submit it and and go about my day. Right, right. So how now that you know you've been there, like you've acclimated, um, what has it been like navigating it? And like, it's is you miss really white? I don't know why I have this perception of it. <laughs> is, it like, is it like like <laughs> is it? I don't know. Um. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm sure you don't um, want to answer that. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. It's. It, uh, the world is white. America, Ooh. America is 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 white, and Broadway is white. Um, I do. I will say that there is a very, very clear push for diversity, equity, and inclusion here at the University of Michigan. Um, not just in the musical theater department, but uh, across all of SMTD. Um, I 
one of the things that I love about this university specifically is that we have um, color cabaret every every other year, which is a student run, student organized cabaret for musical theater majors of color. And it's for us and everyone shows up for it. Uh, And it's like, we we finally get a moment to to embrace not only who we are but but the community uh, that we created here, mm-hmm. which is really mm-hmm. great. And it also even beyond performing in the in in color cabaret, uh, we get the opportunity to just be together, you know, as a group and talk right. about you know things that happen, like maybe like microaggressions that that occur, uh, just existing. Yeah. <laughs> as a student um the short answer is like kinda but uh it's good like i i recommend if you are a student of color umish is the place for you especially if you're auditioning now i'll be here probably hopefully lord willing yes nick will take you under his wing <laughs> I, yeah it, it, it's hard and i don't mean to put you on the spot i'm not trying to get you like you know in trouble or anything but i i think that's i'm i'm excited to talk to you because of you being young and going through these experiences um i have friends like that we commiserate now of them going to pwis and being like i was tree number three like for four years and i couldn't you know it's like all these things so it's it's i think of course we're moving forward perhaps at a slower pace than we'd like but like Mm -hmm. it's good to hear that you are able to find you know um spaces that you do do feel comfortable in there and that that you're getting opportunities and that you're not tree number three absolutely and and you also have to keep in mind that like we're gen z so like (laughs) like even if they wanted to like even if if the administration wanted to be racist which they don't and no administration does i don't think so hopefully but um it's just like we like we we're beyond that like as a generation y'all are y'all don't play like gen z (laughs) is out here okay it's true it is true. And I'm glad you bring that up because we need to talk about TikTok because <laughs> how many followers do you have on there? Okay. Funny story. <laughs> okay. As of now, as of this moment, I want to say like maybe 130,000 uh, followers and, <laughs> and growing because literally last night, I got my first like actual viral video. I broke a million views. Congratulations! Um, it's still it's still circling. It's it, you may see it somewhere. Uh, it's <laughs> uh, a Bridgerton musical moment, uh, and I I'm obsessed with Bridgerton. I'm obsessed with Shonda Rhimes. Period. But uh, I. I love Bridgerton and I saw a moment to, you know, incorporate uh, musical theater and, and Bridgerton. And there's a brilliant, brilliant uh, songwriter on TikTok who is creating a concept album for a Bridgerton musical. Um, and she, she did a duet and she had a duet available. And so I, so I did it and it, and it blew up. So we are growing. <laughs> you are you are like a TikTok 
famous influencer and I love it. Oh my goodness. Like, yeah, but for real though. And it's, I mean, how, how did you, do you remember how you discovered TikTok? Like were all your friends just getting it? Um, I remember not wanting to get a TikTok for a long time uh, because I thought that TikTok was like a dancer thing. And I am a strong mover at yes, strong mover. Sometimes, uh, <laughs> and I was like, "That's there's nothing for me on this app." Um, and then I don't know. I think I was bored over over quarantine, and I just mm-hmm. down I downloaded it, and you know, you you start liking things, and the algorithm pushes things you, your way that you like, and then you discover that there's a whole community of people that are into the same things that you are. And I began posting and that community supported me and they continue to support me to this day. So like, that is so cool. And I have a lot of thoughts about social media that I don't need to share, but like, I feel like what you just described is like the best that social media can be is when you find your people and y'all support each other and encourage, encourage each other. Absolutely. so exciting to see and so there is like t- tell us about the like musical theater kid world on tiktok like so y'all do like duets what, what else are, what are like the kind of trends and themes you see on there musical theater tiktok i feel like i was so fortunate to join tiktok at the moment i did because that is when the musical theater community on tiktok was just getting started just growing I, I uh, musical theater TikTok has has evolved. I remember there used to be a trend of TikTok musicals, not the type that like, not like a Ratatouille, um, <laughs> but uh, you would post a video and say, "Hey guys, submit your video for." Uh, Sunday in the park with George. Um, (laughs) And I want you to sing this cut of music for this character and uh, submit them by Friday. And you may be in my TikTok musical and then tons of people would submit. And then you choose your favorite one and create a video where you compile all your favorite auditions. And, and that's, and that's your cast. Um, So that was a trend for a while. And that's what I thought musical theater TikTok was. And then it and then it changed and it grew. And it's and it's so much more than that. And now i I'm seeing creators that just had musical theater TikTok just being themselves and, and posting just their lives and things that interest them. And like mm-hmm. Tom Kaiser, who was who was one of the first TikTokers that I ever followed, he he went from, you know, musical theater TikTok to like uh <laughs> to like uh avatar the last airbender tiktok to, <laughs> to like different things because uh artists are people and we have different different facets of our lives so that's been exciting do you ever get scared to post something like whether you think you won't like sound good quote quote or like that your audience won't react well oh absolutely okay. all the time that's my that's what i that's what i navigate currently is is learning not to post for other people and not to post for 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 validation but to post because I enjoy what I'm posting and I think I think it's good and um and I enjoy it um because people people see that people see 
genuine, you know, and they, and, and genuine people flock to genuine content. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really, that's, that's what I try to do. That's what, that is what I navigate, uh, every, every time I post. It's hard. It really is. It's, it's, it's so difficult not to get caught up in views and likes. And even now, like with my first actually viral video, I'm like, all right, Nick, but also calm down because not every video is going to hit a million likes. So, you know, be grateful for the moment. And I am super grateful for the moment. I'm grateful for every single comment, um, every single like, every single share. Uh, But at the end of the day, I'm just like, I'm still a storyteller. I'm just a storyteller. And I just want to, I just want to make good work uh, that, that impacts people. Um, And I never want to get, get caught in a moment where I'm doing something because I want validation or because I want to, to hit a, a, a million views on something. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. It's like you feel connected to it in your heart. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know, so again, like my limited knowledge of TikTok, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I know too, like there's definitely been conversations about its algorithm being racist. Like what have you heard or experienced with this? Like, they show well i mean i do know that those little white girls were stealing dances from like black creators and that was not good but like <laughs> like t- talk to me about what you've observed from that um the tiktok algorithm is only racist because the world is racist you're out here dropping <laughs> bombs. I'm like, yes, yes. Right. Like we can like, I mean, and a lot of people do want to point the finger at, at TikTok, but the simple truth is um, like the algorithm works for, you know, whoever it works for. Um, and we do live in a very Eurocentric society and a very Eurocentric world. So yeah, some a, a lot of a lot of the things that we see on TikTok are really kind of microcosms of of the things that we we experience in life and and that we see in life and forever black people have had their, you know, content stolen and 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 mm. you know, re redone. Um appropriation has always existed. Um and eurocentric features have always been you know, uh, prioritized. And because of that, you will see more people clicking and liking, you know, whatever white creator they see versus a a black creator who may have had the original idea. And that is why (laughs) it is important. Uh, that's why, that's why representation is important. That's why, you know, I feel so, so compelled to, be a leader in in creative spaces because that's the only way you're going to you're going to change that absolutely absolutely and it's i mean like you said about chris being your director for scottsboro boys like you know if you can see it you could be it like i know that's that that's kind of a i don't know if it's a cheesy phrase at this point but it's true <laughs> like you know it's it's recognizing that you're worthy Amen. And, and i'm not saying from external validation but do you know what i mean it's like oh absolutely no, no, like i'm meant to be here i can take up space absolutely and i'm just so grateful i mean yes i had chris i also had um 
the amazing opportunity of of working with Michael McElroy. Yes. Second semester freshman year with his show at that time was called uh, Sonnets, Soliloquies, and Soul. Um, and just having him in the space who now we have a Black director, writer, uh, composer in the space. Unfortunately, composing is not my calling. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I learned that uh, last semester uh, and that's okay. I still love music. I, I would be a kick-ass collaborator if you if you need me. I will be your lyricist. I will I will work on that libretto, but I <laughs> I will not. I will not build any seventh, thirteenth, nine add nine chords. No, no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, it was just so great to see a leader in the room, you know, and and Michael has such a such a unique energy and such a mm. gentleness to him um and he leads with such dignity anywhere he goes and i'm just so grateful that like now i have you know someone who i can i can you know uh look up to uh in the industry and also someone i can reach out to if i need right right make like having those connections having that community is so important absolutely everyone everyone needs a black director at some point in their life <laughs> mm-hmm uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. So then, okay, so the search for a star. I want to just quickly touch on this because we did, I mean, we did the Playboy Live interview, but I'm like, didn't TikTok inspire you to enter? Am I getting this wrong? Absolutely. No, you you, you got it right. I did not know about the contest until I was tagged at least like 500 times oh my <laughs> on God. my friend, um, on my mutual, Deanna. She posted uh, about this contest and she's like, Hey, musical theater kids, because at that time, like musical theater, TikTok was was emerging. Just like, hey guys, like you should really, you should uh, send in for this. Uh, this is a really great opportunity. Um, and people were tagging me in it, and I was like, okay, like I'll I'll I will, you know, do this. <laughs> TikTok is even more involved in this story because the accompaniment that I use in the in the submission video is actually a TikTok. It's uh, uh, Dewey's piano party. He did a, a duet of I'm not afraid of anything. I was like, this is awesome. Like, I love this. So I used it um, with his permission, of course. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, TikTok. And uh, so TikTok, number one, showed me uh, that this contest was a thing, provided me with the material that I needed, and then came through for me and voted. So did, right. I was like, come through TikTok. But so we need to talk about, like, you don't have to give away your actor secrets, but like, <laughs> y'all, I'm trying to say, and, and you know what? I will put the clip on social media for the podcast somewhere so people can see, because I, when I say, I, I was so moved by your performance and it was like, what, 30 seconds or something? Like, it was not that long. And I was just like, you were so dropped in. I mean, and now <laughs> you were dropped in. Like, I, I just, I, I don't know if you are like, no, I don't want to say anything about my acting choices, but like, I don't know. I just want to like geek out over it with you. Oh my gosh. You're, I'm, I'm so flattered. I really like, I, there's no, there's no secrets here. Um, I just, I just talk to my other. I... <laughs> 
I'm just, beautiful. yeah, it's the, it's the, well, okay. I'm, I'm really grateful for my, my training in high school because Holly uh, made us do this exercise where after every punctuation mark in a, in a monologue or even in a song or whatever we we're performing, uh, it's, it's like a two chair exercise. You sit in one chair, you say the first part of the line and then the punctuation comes and at the punctuation mark you switch chairs and that i think uh and that and that has to do with beats and and changing changing um uh your your intentions and and changing like how how you're going to get what you want in that moment and i think because i was taught um, at every single punctuation mark, at every comma, at every period, um, mm-hmm. to do that, I'm. I was able to uh, find nuance mm-hmm. in moments, um, and I'm also able to interpret, you know, writer's intention a lot better. Because even as a writer, you know, I may include a comma somewhere, or I may exclude a comma, and those, and that, and that has a a major difference on on how i want the line to to sound um so because of that exercise i think i was able to i i'm able to to understand you know how to how to navigate text a, a little a, a lot better than i i did before i i went through bradford's program and that's only being strengthened here at umesh mm-hmm. i mean congratulations but I also like it's it's more than like winning that contest for me like from where I'm sitting I'm for you like that was obviously very exciting I just think yeah it's you can tell you are trained your technique is like ready to go I just also need to emphasize that you you just there you have something that cannot be taught and thank you oh my gosh (laughs) thank you it's I'm probably doing too much, but with my gushing, but it's 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 the artistry that not everyone has. And like we know that there are talented people, but it's the artistry that you have like that's just in your soul that I think it's going to just like help. It, it, that's just why you're going to be a rising star. And like I'm just I'm sorry, I'll stop. But like <laughs> I'm just so, I'm just so grateful that like I've gotten to connect with you through all of these different things. Oh my goodness. I'm so grateful that I got to connect with you. Yes, we, I know it has been a while. Like, 2020 has been a wild year for a number of reasons, but this has been like a joyful wild of like, oh my gosh, like all these connections. Oh yeah. You know? Um, But you know what, to that end too, like I, I wanted to talk to you about how 2020 it has impacted you as a person, as an artist, because, because of Jacob Blake and Kenosha and they just announced you know that the officers weren't getting charged and like emotional burden we don't have to get into too many details if you don't want to but I'm just curious you know like did you go to protests or like how have you been processing that as a human it's always hard to find the right words Kenosha is such a unique city because you do have that you do have those Jacob Blake moments. You do like racism exists no matter where you live. Um, and Kenosha is no exception. But you also have KOSD theater. You also have a community that supports, you know, people that are underprivileged. And it's it's all it's so complex and there's so many 
I mean, I feel like Kenosha in itself is just a contradiction of just, you know, so much love, but there's also so much, you know, misunderstanding and, 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 and ignorance. And, and I think that just represents the world that we live in, you know, Wisconsin, and Wisconsin is a, is a swing state. Wisconsin is, is pretty purple. Mm -hmm. Kenosha. Kenosha itself is pretty blue. The city of Kenosha is, is pretty blue. Kenosha County went red these past these past couple elections. So we have moderate is the norm. Mm -hmm. Um, but even like that's still not enough because even being moderate, we still exist in a in a society that prefers you know one type of person over another type of person um and as moderate as you try to be as 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 progressive you in, in kenosha you hear a lot of people say that oh i'm fiscally conservative and 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 mm. you know uh, when it comes liberal. to yeah 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 um and that's fine and dandy but but you're not going to to really relate uh, to people unless unless you really really have that moment to step into their shoes that's what I think that's why that's why the theater department is is so beautiful especially in Kenosha and you know I would dare say that that a large part of the reason why you do have that community of of love and support in Kenosha is is due in part to the arts yeah that was hard to navigate especially so I when the playbill contest was happening that was right at the beginning of all of the Jacob Blake events. And, and, and that was also right at the beginning of my semester. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was August ish. Yeah. So I was, and, and I, I, I didn't promote playbill as much as I would have because I was focused on my community in that moment. Um, which is why it was so shocking <laughs> when I won, uh, because I was like, I, I really, I should have put more into this. You did not need to. Let me introduce you. <laughs> no, that like your priorities were right. Like you are good. Don't worry. But that was, yeah, that was, it, and I was out there. I, 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 you know, was protesting on the, the, I think the second night, maybe the third night. Um, and it was like the protests were beautiful. Like we had community leaders. We had strong black people with the megaphone inspiring us, truly like allowing us Gen Zers <laughs> to be hopeful for a future. Um, Cause I feel like a lot of us feel like we're doomed. I, mm, <laughs> I have this feeling. I constantly have this feeling that like it's the end of the world. And I I always tell myself like I'm okay with that. Um which am I okay with that? I don't know. I that's something for me to unpack at some point. But I we I feel like a lot of Gen Zers have the idea that we are just headed towards doom and we were put in a situation that we we had nothing to do with that we came into a world, we were born into a world after uh, post 9-11 that is, uh, well, post 9-11 for some of us, uh, mm -hmm. that is uh, racist, that 
uh, hates the planet. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm like, yeah, like this is this is the but like we grew up in that. Like we grew we grew up in Armageddon, and um, to be at that protest and to hear people talk about how they saw the future in us, and to see how they said that they saw hope in us, and the way that we interact with each other, and the way that we care for each other, and the way that that we we view each other as as human beings before anything else, that was super inspiring, um, and it's something that I that I that I'll carry with me, you know, forever. Um, wow. So yeah. Kenosha is complex, lots of different feelings, just as the world is complex, just as America is complex. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm sure this summer was, I mean, this whole year, uh, 2020 was a roller coaster, but this summer in particular, I'm sure that navigating those moments in conjunction with the contest was confusing or overwhelming or something, you know? Oh, absolutely. And it's crazy because most of my summer was spiritual and and personal growth and growth as an artist and growth as a human because I had a lot of downtime and I was able to um most of the summer I I worked as as my sister's uh caregiver uh because my parents had to work full time uh and my middle sister Madison she special needs um she has a rare uh disorder uh, beta propeller associated neurodegeneration which affects her motor skills she's nonverbal, and so i spent a lot of time with her just sitting outside looking at the trees there's like a uh little bird's nest that that was on the side of our house that summer um and just a lot of moments of of just existing spending time with my family you know i i, I we had this moment where where we looked at, I looked, we saw the bird on the side of our house and its little nest. And I was watching it and I said, that bird is just existing. Like it's not worried about <laughs> literally anything, not worried about paying bills, not worried about uh, any of the the social constructs that we, that we subscribe to. Um, and I was like, mate, like, that's what life is about. Like, that's what we should be striving to do. And then I looked at Madison, who's nonverbal and who isn't socialized, I said, wow, like this is a moment for me to learn from my sister who's, you know, who, who isn't able to communicate in the same way that, that we all communicate. Um, and I'm, and, and I learned in that moment that, oh, I should be taking time to just exist. I should be taking time to just breathe and accept that I am, I am a part of the universe um, and just live in that, you know, not worried about disconnect from ego. Um, mm. Ooh, that's <laughs> yeah. so I, and I came from that. So that was most of my summer and also TikTok. Uh, <laughs> um, and then it just really ended with, with such a bittersweet moment where, my city, my home was was going through such turmoil um, because of an event that was shocking, but unfortunately not surprising. But also you had this playbill moment that, uh, you know, allowed me to, to connect with, you know, different artists, like amazing artists, the other top 10, shout out to them. 
uh hopefully i get to meet them at some point yeah Yeah, it, it was it's a wild year just lots of ups and downs but those sound like beautiful discoveries that you made. Um, thank you for sharing those. I love that. Of just taking time to exist and disconnect from the ego is so it's something we can all do well to remember. You know? Oh, absolutely. As we start to wrap up, you know, th- these these learnings, you are just so wise and insightful. I'm so I'm I'm starting a fan club, and I guess we're getting jackets. Like I don't know. I'm sorry. To continue gushing, but it's all very genuine and real. <laughs> um, what you know? What are your future aspirations? And I, I don't mean it has to be like you win a Pulitzer Prize, da, da da da. But you know, what are you hoping? What are your hopes and dreams and 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 future aspirations you have? Um, I kind of just. It's like Timothy Chalamet said at at one point, like, I just kind of want to do good work. Like, I just want, (laughs) I just want to, I just want to be a storyteller. Um, I want to, I feel like it is my calling to, to be at the forefront of, of social change, of making the world a more egalitarian place. So as long as I'm working on those kinds of projects, I, I will be happy. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes, yes. I co-sign wholeheartedly. Um and I'm I'm of course I'm so excited to see, you know, what what's in your future. Um <laughs> so the final two podcast questions are as follows. One, if you could recommend a piece of black art for people to take in, what would it be? I'm just going to go with the journey that I'm currently on, which is uh, reading August Wilson's Pittsburgh Cycle. Yes! Um, that and also literally anything by Brandon Jacob Jenkins. <laughs> like literally anything. Um, yes. And Octoroon yes! Is, was yes, my, okay. yes, that was my college audition <gasps> monologue, the opening monologue. Pretty bold. Um, <laughs> but I love it. Yeah, it was definitely. I mean, I got in. I got into the schools that that I used that one on, so it of worked. Of course. Oh, that is. I need to see you perform that sometime. When is the revival? Like, are we doing a streaming production? What is going on? <laughs> Hopefully, I'm I would absolutely send in. I'll send in for literally anything. I just, I, <laughs> I just want to be working. That's all. Yeah, yeah. No, that is that is incredible. That's such a great piece. And I, yes, August Wilson. Did you get to watch Ma Rainey on Netflix? Oh my gosh! Yes, that masterclass. Absolutely. Masterclass. <laughs> I was goofed the whole time. I was like, ah. yeah. So those are great recommendations. I love it. And then, okay, so sort of similar. Um, if you could give a shout out to a fellow Black artist, who would it be? Just one? No, you can do a top 100. Everyone's always like, seriously, just one? No, it's just, just some love one? That's what, like, that's my favorite part about being a Black artist is that, you know, you whenever you whenever we see each other, we connect and you have this big, happy family. So I'm just going to say... Um, First, uh, my f- dear friend, Alyssa Ray, who she's also a TikToker. She okay. will be on American Idol in this next season. Exciting, so yeah. go watch. I'm, I have no, there's no doubt in my mind that she, that she will definitely go far. And okay, so... <laughs> There's a bunch of TikTokers, musical theater TikTokers, uh, okay. 
and we have a group chat tiktok is a wakanda so (laughs) (laughs) literally literally all of them Dataria, caleb gabriella um even from home, like there's still friends like from home. Ben Woods, who I mentioned, was our Haywood and Scottsboro Boys. He's yes. he's a theater major um, at SMU. Cat Christmas, uh, she's a she's an acting major at DePaul. Uh, Sanaya McKnight, she's an acting major at Columbia. Like we just have such a large community, and I have such a support system, especially like even within my own class. Like there's there's four of us, four black boys, me, Savan, uh, Tamias, Timmy. I just like it's a there's a whole village. It takes a whole village, but definitely watch out for Alyssa Ray because she's she's about to blow up. Like <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Yes, uh, we love it. I. That was beautiful. And you're so right. Like it does take a village. And that is such one of the great things about being a black theater maker or storyteller is like you build your community and it is there for you through thick and thin. Oh yeah. Oh, that's so great. Nick Daly. Did you know that I'm obsessed with you? Have you heard that at all? Has anyone told you? (laughs) Someone let it slip because I am. This has been like such a nurturing interview. Like just, so just like, Thank you is all I got to say is thank you so much for your passion, for your generosity of spirit and just for being with us today on the podcast. Oh my goodness. Thank you. I've been, I've been looking forward to this since you emailed me. I, ah, I'm just so, I'm just so happy to be here. Uh, I, the feeling is so mutual. Um, and if folks want to follow you on social media, TikTok, Instagram, what are, where can they find you? Um, I am on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter. Um, and my handle is the same at Nick underscore T underscore daily. That's D as in David, A-L-Y. Um, Look at that consistency. <laughs> branding. Yes. Yeah, I, I post, I mostly post on TikTok. I definitely post content to Instagram as well. But Twitter's kind of dry, uh, but we will work on that, you know, in the future. You got time. You got time. Baby steps. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I will just say for the hundredth time, I am such a fan and I am so excited to see, you know, what's in your future. We'll always be cheering you on. And thanks for joining us today. Until next time, y'all. 